Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Well, if you were here last week, we had uh, all kinds of technical difficulties, like all kinds of technical difficulties. And so we just prayed through about it and just got mad about it and just got real mad about it and got madder about it. And so we worked on it and our media team stayed late yes, last Sunday and man, they worked on it and worked on it and reinstalled software and deleted software and kicked the computer at one or two times during the day. And we talked on the phone with technical support and we tested it all week and it worked awesome. Like it didn't, it didn't have one hiccup until this morning, right before church started. <laughs> So, I don't know. My grandmother always told me if stuff goes crazy bad on Sunday mornings, it means the devil's fighting against you. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think he probably is a little bit, because today's a good day. You know, a couple days ago, uh, I was walking with my wife through, I don't know, let's just call it the outlet shops of Atlanta, and we were walking, and there was a store that had a sale, and so we decided to walk into that store because we like sales, and so we did what we normally do. We go in, the girl's section is this way, the guy's section is this way, she went this way, I went this way, and I looked around, and, you know, she looks around, and it takes her a little while. I look around, it doesn't necessarily take me a while. I can pretty much tell you from about two steps into the store if I'm going to buy something. Like, I can kind of walk in and go, yeah, I'm not really interested in anything today, but I walked in, they had a good number of things on sale, I also had some kind of coupon code so I could get even more percentage off, so I walked through and I found a couple things that I liked, so I went and tried a few things on, which I rarely ever do, but I was like, man, that's a really good deal, I think I'm going to do that, so I, I tried on some stuff, and she got some stuff, and she tried on some stuff, and she decided she was going to put most of her stuff back, that's kind of how she shops, she gets like 80 things and then tries them on, and then she only buys like none of those things, and so... What I did is I just got what I thought I would buy. I tried those things on, and I decided I'm going to buy those things. And so she then, when she's done on her side, came to my side to make sure that I hadn't missed anything in my looking around on my side. I assured her I had not. I have two good eyes, and I'm capable of seeing the things that I like in stores. And so I looked around and looked around and looked around. But she said, well, I want to make sure. And so she looks around, and sure enough, she found some stuff there that she thought I should wear. And so she said, hey, will you try this shirt on for me? And I was like, no, I don't really think I'd wear that shirt. I'm, I don't think I like that shirt. And she was like, no, 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 I, really, please just try it on. So I tried the shirt on, and I got to admit, I liked it better on than I liked it on the hanger. And so she, you know, she had a little something going for her. So I was like, okay, well, okay, I'll buy the shirt. And so I bought the shirt and the pair of pants that she said I needed to go with the shirt because evidently I didn't have a pair of pants that matched that shirt. Now, in that moment, I was confronted with a decision. I could choose to do my own thing. I could choose to make my own decisions. I could put my foot down and say, listen, I can decide. I can make my mind up. I know what I'm doing. I've been dressing myself for a long time. I know, or I could give in to the will of someone who has a better fashion sense than me and who says that they like to look at me, right? And so I want to wear what they like to look at and so I thought, well, that, that's smart. I need to do that. And, and so I had that choice. I could do what I wanted to do, or I could, I could submit myself to the will of someone who had a different perspective about my clothes and my shopping experience than I had myself. Now, that's a crazy, goofy story about buying clothes. But today, 
we're going to talk about something that I think is encapsulated in that same truth, that same type of scenario. We're looking at the plans of God for our life. We're looking at the will of God. Maybe you've heard it described as the will of God. This idea that God has a plan. He has a, a purpose. He has this greater strategy for your life and for my life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today as we look at understanding God's will for our life. But I realize, and I told about three weeks ago, I told you guys if you were here on that Sunday that I, I believed that this Sunday, so like three Sundays later, I was going to preach on the will of God. Because I, it's just kind of been shut up in my bones. Like, I keep talking about it. I keep seeing it around me. I'm talking to people about it. I just feel like there's so much in this season of time where there's a lot of us that we're kind of looking for. What does God want for me? What is the plan of God for my life, the will of God for my life? But I realized today before I ever start that there are some different views of God that you may have that will determine how you receive anything that I say today. Because I believe that your view of God affects the decisions that determine your direction in life. Now, that's kind of a long sentence. Here's what I mean. Your view of God affects the decisions that determine your direction in life. The decisions that you make, right, and the, ultimately the decisions that you make that determine the direction of your life are all affected by how you view God and his role in your life. And I think that there are four primary views that you have of God or I have of God that determine how we make decisions that determine the direction of our life. And the first of those views is that God is disconnected from us. And I don't mean that like he didn't create us. Maybe you hold this view. I don't mean that he didn't create us. I don't mean that there's not a God out there. I'm not talking about atheism or agnosticism necessarily, though that might be a little bit connected to this idea. But this idea that for the decisions that we make and the plans for our life and the ways that we go about our lives, that God is disconnected from that. He kind of leaves us to do whatever we want to do. There's absolutely no part of God that's involved in the parts of our lives that are related to the decisions that we make. And so maybe you hold this view that God is disconnected completely from the decisions that we make. The second view that you might hold is that God is aware but not involved. So he's generally aware but not involved. This is kind of how I watch my kids while my wife is away from house. Away from them. She's like, hey, will you watch the kids? I've got to run out to the store. I'm kind of generally aware of where they are, but I'm not really involved in what's going on in the house. That, that's kind of my parenting skills, and those are limited. So that's maybe a view that you hold of God, that you're making decisions for your life, you're doing things, you're deciding direction, you're determining direction for your life, and you believe that God is generally aware. He's somewhat loosely connected to this kind of earth place that we live. He's aware of the things that are going on in your life, but he is not involved in the decisions that you make at all. The third view that you may have of God is that he's involved in those decisions, but he's not deciding for you. He's involved in the decisions where he's maybe giving you wisdom. He's helping give counsel. He's surrounding you with people that can give you wisdom or counsel. He's involved in the decisions that you're making, but he's not deciding those things for you. He's not the puppet master up there kind of pulling strings and making the decisions for you. And maybe you hold that view. And then the fourth one is that other version where he is the puppet master and he's dictating your decisions to you. So the, the four views, again, are disconnected, aware but not involved, involved but not deciding, and dictating. And, and I believe with all of my heart that all of us in this room hold some view of God that's encapsulated in these four points right here. And I think that if you can identify your view of God in those four, that it will help you to receive 
the message today in a little better light because if you come at it with an understanding of here's how I think God is interacting with me or not interacting with me or involved in the decisions or not involved in the decisions, then it will change the way that you view what we're going to go to in God's Word in just a few minutes. Now, most Christians, and I I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here, most Christians are somewhere in the bottom three here. Most Christians do not believe that God is disconnected from our decision-making. Most Christians are somewhere in the the range of aware but not involved to involved but not deciding to dictating. Somewhere in those three is where most Christians find themselves living life. Most evangelical Christians, of which our church is a part, those are just people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to live on this earth as a blameless person, he went to the cross, he died, he was resurrected, he came back to life, went and ascended to the Father. Most evangelical Christians are somewhere in the bottom two, that he's involved in our decisions, but he's not deciding for us, we have free will, or other believers do believe that he's dictating our decisions, that everything is kind of predestined, it's preordained, everything's been decided, we're living lives, we do have free will whether to choose God or not, but once we choose God, we're kind of living out the plan that God gave to us, and that's, that's it, that's our lot in life. And so somewhere on this continuum is where we all find ourselves today, and I believe that that changes the way that we receive whether or not we think God has a plan for us, and if he has a plan, how we interact with that plan and the way that we live. And so I just want to jump really quickly through a few scriptures that I believe show what I hold. And I fall, just so you know, all cards on the table, I fall in number three. I believe that God is involved in our decisions, but I don't think he's deciding our decisions for us. I think he's involved in the decisions that I make with my life, but I don't think he's dictating those decisions to me like I have no choice. I believe that God created me with a free will to choose how to respond in every situation that I'm given in life. And we're going to talk about that and unpack that a little bit. But I believe that God has a plan. And so let's look at a few scriptures that I believe support that. We are jumping around a little bit, which is not our normal mode here, but we'll we'll land in a text in just a minute. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. You don't have to follow along. These will be up on the screen. We'll land in just a minute in Genesis. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray. And a portion of that prayer, which you probably know, says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's praying, Jesus, who I believe to be the Son of God, is praying to his Father and teaching his followers how to pray to his Father and saying that God has a will, he has a plan, he has an idea about how he wants the circumstances of this earth and people that live in it to happen as he is ruling and reigning from heaven. And so God has a will, he has a plan. One of the most famous passages of Scripture comes out of the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of us could quote that. We might have it on a coffee mug in our cabinets at the house right now. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, this is speaking specifically to the children of Israel in a specific context, but it does have value to all of us because the Bible tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he had a plan for those people, I believe it's true that he has a plan for us, and that plan is for our good. And so what he's declaring here is that he has a plan, and that plan is about our good and ultimately his glory. Uh, An overarching verse that kind of tells us what God wants out of life for all people It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The thing that God wants for all people is that they all be saved. 
He wants every person that's ever lived or will ever live to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wants. That's his desire. That's his ultimate plan and purpose for all of humanity is that he wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth and to be saved. And then finally, Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that God has a desire for us to do this will that he's talking about or has been talked about in other places. Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21 say this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good, everything good, for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This idea that God can equip us to do his will on the earth for his glory and for our good. So there is this idea when I read scripture that God has a plan. Ultimately, that plan is about our spiritual condition, much less than it's about our physical place or physical circumstances, though all of those things play into sometimes the plan being uh, lived out where our spiritual soul, our, our spiritual condition can be changed or affected, or we can be used by God to affect other people and their spiritual condition. And so if you've got a Bible, I want you to jump with me to Genesis chapter 12. I want to go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. We could go a lot of different places, I think, but I want us to look at just two chapters here in Genesis, Genesis 12 and Genesis 13, where there's a really famous guy. His name is Abram. He would later be known as Abraham. He's one of those early saints that uh, God speaks to and God uses in really powerful ways. And so I want us to look at two interactions that God has with him, or really a portion of his narrative, that I believe show to us the way that God allows us to live in his plan and in his purposes. So Genesis chapter 12, all of the scriptures the rest of the day will be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible or something to follow along or you're not close enough to your neighbor to steal theirs. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Y'all got to wake up. Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be, be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now, this is a specific command of God to a specific person at a specific time about something that he needed to do. This is a specific instruction from God. I mean, if you read that, there's some very specific promises that God makes, and he just doesn't make these kind of offhandedly where he's not going to be able to fulfill these. He makes very specific command here to Abram. Get up, leave your land, go from your country, go from your people to the land, not that I've already shown you, but to the land that I will show you. There is a promise here that if you'll get up and be obedient and go to this place that you don't even know yet, but that I will show you when you get there, it's a portion of the fulfillment of the promise where I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to bless your people. I'm going to bless land. I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you. I'm going to curse everybody that curses you. Like this is a great promise here. This is an incredible promise that lasts generations and generations and generations and thousands of years and thousands of years. There are people on this earth today that are living in the fulfillment of this promise even today. So this is a specific command with a specific promise to a specific person in a specific moment. And scholars would probably call this or this interaction the perfect will of God. 
And here's what I mean. This would be up here. The perfect will of God. Now, don't get hung up on the word perfect here because you and I all know that we are not perfect. Like, anybody in the room perfect? Corey, don't put your hand up. Anybody? I mean, I knew she could because she is perfect, but I mean, I don't want to embarrass everybody else in the room. Anybody else? Anybody? Just me and Corey. All right, that's great. So, you're going to have to hang with me here at 830, all right? The perfect will of God. Now, again, don't get hung up here because we're not talking about us being perfect. What are we talking about? We're talking about the perfect will of God. And by perfect here, we're just talking about specific. We're talking about all the details worked out. We're talking about the specific command of this plan of God, this purpose of God. The perfect will of God. This is a specific command with a specific promise to a specific person in a specific moment. And I don't know if you've ever had that, where you just felt like you knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that God was saying to you specifically, go do this. Go to this place. You need to go do this. You need to have whatever it was. I've had a couple of those instances in my life where I believed without any hesitation, without any doubt, that God was calling me to something specific. It was the perfect will of God for that moment. It was the most direct route between point A and point B. It was that straight line where I said, okay, God, I know what you want me to do. Now, even in that understanding of that straight line, point A to point B, like I'm getting there, even in that for Abram, he has to kind of go around a little bit. There's, it's not an immediate fulfillment. There's some captivity involved. There's, there's all these people that take them into bondage. Even to this day, they're facing adversity. His people, his, his, uh, the generations that would follow him, his heirs, even today they're facing adversity. And so it's not an immediate fulfillment, but we believe it to be the perfect will of God because we're saying God is commanding something specific, and he gives with that command something that is a promise. And so we understand that if we are obedient in that, when we know beyond any hesitation, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that this is what God is saying to us, which we'll talk about the voice of God in a minute, when we know that, then we must be obedient. We have to be obedient because it's a clear instruction from God for that moment. Now, just one chapter later, we just read in Genesis 12 what God told Abram to go and do, and it said that Lot went with him. Over the rest of Genesis 12 and the beginning of Genesis 13, Abram and Lot are blessed, and their families increase, and their their herds increase, and man, it's just more and more and more people and more animals, and they are just starting to kind of be all over each other, and and they're starting to fight with one another, not Abram and Lot, but all the people that work for them, and their shepherds, and all these different things. And so we see that they're going to have to come up with a way to separate to get apart from each other. And if you've ever been around family for more than three or four days, you know what that's like. It's like, we got to get away from each other, right? This is what's happening here with Abram and Lot. They're family members. Y'all got to wake up today. Genesis 13. Genesis 13, verse 8. We're going to skip around a little bit here. We'll skip a verse or two, not to change the narrative, but to just try to make it a little more concise about what we're specifically looking at. Genesis 13, verse 8 says this. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders or mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right, and if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Verse 11. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities and the plains and pitched, uh, pitched his tents near Sodom. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, After Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south and to the east and the west, and all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. Verse 17, go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. 
Now notice in this instance that God doesn't speak again. God doesn't say anything new to Abram or to Lot about what they're supposed to do in this moment. And so in this moment, there is a decision to be made that will ultimately change the lives of Abram and Lot and all the people that are connected to them, all their family members, all their friends, all the people that work for them, all their livestock. Everybody on these two sides of the family will be affected by this decision, but nowhere in this part of the passage when we see the decision being made does God speak at all. God allows the wisdom of Abram and the promise that had been declared before to guide him as he made the best decision that he knew how to make. And so he already knew that God had said, listen, I'm going to bless you. I've got a promise for you. If you'll get up and go into your future and into the land that I've promised, if you'll go, I'll bless you. I promise you I'll do that. I'll give you land. I'll give you inheritance. I'll give you heirs. Go. And in this moment, as they're just sitting on top of each other, Abram has to decide, do I wait before we split up until God tells us what to do again? Or do I just make the best decision I can in this moment, believing what God told me before is good enough to get me through this moment? And so that's what he does. He says, Lot, we got, listen, we got to quit fighting. Here's what we'll do. If you go left, I'll go right. And if you choose to go right, I'll go left. You choose. You go ahead. Whatever you want to do. And so the verse that we skip, Lot looks up and he kind of looks and one side of the Land is like really plush, and it's got water sources, and it looks green, and it's really nice. And the other side kind of drabby, and it's like nobody's watered the grass over there on that side. And so Lot's like, I'll take this side over here that's green. And so he sets off and takes his family that direction. And Abram gets his family, and he goes this direction into something that doesn't even seem like it's as good a decision. And yet he walks faithfully into that because he believes I've done the best I could. I made the best decision I knew how to make with the information that I had. And so I allowed Lot to go. And now I've got here. And then God speaks. And God says, look everywhere that you can see with your eyes. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Everywhere that you see, walk its length, walk its breadth. Everywhere that you can see, I'll give to you and your heirs. Forever and ever. It's all yours. Now, in this... We don't necessarily see the perfect will of God. And again, don't get hung up on perfect. This is still the, the will of God, we believe, because Abram's still being obedient and following God and leaving his home country and going to this place that God has called him. But this might be classified by scholars as the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God. This idea that God gives us permission to pursue him and in that pursuit to make decisions. Like, I, I don't have to sit down and pray and go, God... I'm paralyzed by fear right here. I, I don't know. Do I eat Moe's or Chipotle today? I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I, I'm, I, I'm just going to sit here until I hear you. And I, I think God would be like, no, no, no. You, you woke up today and said, I want to please you and honor you. And I would be pleased in either of those restaurants. Like, you just go and do whatever you want to do for lunch today, right? No, I think this is the permissive will of God. I used the illustration three weeks ago when I was talking about what we would speak about today to talk about the Grand Canyon. I really do believe that the will of God is like the Grand Canyon. Sometimes it is wide enough that we can do a lot of different things and continue moving in the same direction in pursuit of God. But I do believe that there are those specific moments where the canyon narrows down and we have to put one foot in front of the other to keep walking forward in the direction of God in the pursuit of what we put our lives about. I believe that's the combination of that perfect will of God, specific command, specific direction, specific decisions that determine our direction. And also that permissive will of God that says, listen, you can do a lot of things. There's freedom in this. 
to choose which way you would go as you continue moving towards God to honor and please Him. The filter for me would be, does this dishonor God in any way? If the answer is no, then I think you can do that. If there is no dishonoring of God in this, then I choose to say, okay, yes, God. I'm going to just say yes. I'm just going to follow God and be in pursuit of God and what I believe he wants me to do. So the perfect will of God. Now, that does not mean that the permissive will of God is imperfect. That's so important. You should write that down. That does not mean that the permissive will of God is imperfect. It's still the will of God. You understand that, right? It's still the will of God that you and I are living in as we are in pursuit of God. He is involved in our decisions, but he is not dictating our decisions. Unless, he says, with command, with a promise, you need to go do this. And guess what? In every one of those situations, we have the opportunity to say yes or no. Abram could have said, God, I, thank you for the promise. Thank you for the promise that I'll have heirs and land and all the things that you've said I could have. Like, thank you so much for that, but I'm not leaving this land until you tell me where we're going. Like, I got to go back to my tent in a minute and tell my wife where we're going, and she's not going to let me say, I don't know where we're moving. We're just going to load the U-Haul camel, and, you know, eventually we'll get there. <laughs> right? I, I don't know. Like, just, let's just trust God. Let's just believe God, babe. Come on, let's just go. No. Abram just said, let's go. Lot, get your stuff. Sarah, let's go. Like, we're, we're moving. We're going. And then in that journey, we see time and time again where he made decisions in pursuit of God, continuing in the direction of God, to honor the faithfulness he was trying to live out in the permissive will of God that I believe does not mean imperfection because it's still the will of God. So don't get hung up on those. So let's get super practical here for just a moment. And let's talk about how then we can hear from God. Because, like, I don't know if, like, you, you're, you're reading this story and you're going, well, yeah, if God ever said to me, like, hey, get up and go. Like, if I heard him, then I would do that. Which, by the way, I think is a humongous cop-out. So I'm not going to let you off the hook there. But I know some of us were listening and we're going, yeah, yeah, but if God spoke to me, if he clearly spoke to me, like, I would do it. So how do we hear from God? How do we know that God is speaking to our lives? Let me drop back to Psalm 119, 105. Another very famous verse of scripture that says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You know what the purpose of a path is? It's a place for you to walk. Ultimately, a path means that someone else has carved that path out in front of you. If not, you're just walking through the woods, right? If there's already a path there, you've already seen that someone else has walked that journey. They've walked that path in pursuit of God. Now, I believe God calls us sometimes to chart new territory. I believe that. But ultimately, what we're saying is, God, I need you to illuminate the way. I need you to light the way for me. So how are you going to do that, God? And I believe God is saying, well, I've already spoken. Use this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it lights my path. And here's what I would say to you, and I, I get it, I, I'm a pastor, and, and I say this from time to time, like, you're going to go, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. Well, I don't know if you showed up today to hear me say something I'm not supposed to say, <laughs> but like, let me just tell you what I believe to be the truth. If you're not hearing from God, I could probably put a good bit of money on it if I was a betting man that you may not be reading the words of God. 
Like if you're not hearing, I'm not saying all the time that you have the specific clear instructions that you're, you're like, hey, okay, get up and go, and then you're going to give me land. Okay, like I know sometimes God may not speak that clearly to you. But I can promise you that every time in my life where I was not hearing clearly from God, it's because I wasn't in his book enough. Like, I don't have to wait on a bunch of new revelation from God. He already revealed himself to me. And so I can start in this place. And it's amazing. When I start reading the words of God that already exist in this book, it's amazing how much he starts talking to me. It's amazing. I open God's word and I say, God, okay, I want to read this. I'm working through a yearly reading plan or I'm going to read something topical or I'm going to read a seven-day devotion on this thing or something that I think would speak to this. Or I'm going to go to this story that I think is similar to what I'm facing in my life right now. And I start reading that story and you know what happens? I read that story and I believe that the Holy Spirit starts speaking into my spirit, which the New Testament tells me that he jealously desires, right? He's, he's wanting to connect to my spirit. I think in that time, God's spirit begins speaking into my spirit, and I go, oh, man, I've never seen that before. That actually helps me. That actually gives me confidence. That actually speaks to the situation that I'm walking through in my life right now. And so I believe that we can use the word of God as the lamp for our feet that can light the path that we're walking on. Let me give you another really famous passage of Scripture. This one was one that my grandmother had my dad memorize, and then my dad had us try to memorize this when we were little. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. The thing that we ultimately have to do is when we hear from God, and he says, Get up from this land where you are in and go to a land that I will show you, there comes a moment where we just have to decide, Am I going to trust him or not? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all of your ways, submit to him, acknowledge him, maybe your translation says, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths, these paths that you can see that are illuminated by God's word. You can trust in him. I have to trust him. I have to believe that he wants the best for me, that he knows what he's asking me to do, what he's calling me to do. I can't just go, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why wouldn't God just tell me? Why wouldn't God just tell me where we're going so I know how much food to pack on the camp? Like, why wouldn't God just give me clear instructions? Maybe God wants to see if I trust him enough just to take the journey one step at a time. God wants me to trust him and not rely on my own understanding. And so today, maybe you would say, okay, yeah, that all makes sense. But what if I've gotten off path? Like, what if I've made bad decisions? What if I know God clearly spoke in a perfect will of God type of conversation and I was disobedient and just turned my back and ran from him? Or maybe there was this permissive will of God moment and like I had a lot of free reign and free choice. I could have done a bunch of different things and I'm not really sure. I just know kind of I turned away from that and so I know like I'm in a place where I probably said no when I should have said yes or I said yes when I should have said no. What do I do then? Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's what I believe. If you love God, maybe you didn't when you made those decisions, or maybe you did, but you just didn't seek enough wisdom, or you, you made a hasty decision out of fear. Whatever the circumstances that caused you to get into the place that you're at, turn your heart to God. This is not saying I love you on a surface level. This is saying I acknowledge you with my life. 
for those that love him, for those that are called according to his purpose, for those that are responding to God and the purposes of his will for our life. God, I trust you. I love you. I believe that God takes us back into his will. You ever been kind of rerouted through a detour? Isn't it frustrating? Like, you know that all I got to do is keep going straight, but they got the road blocked, or maybe I took a wrong turn, or my GPS said to stay straight, but I was like, it's got to be faster to go right here. And so I go right, and I end up over here, and I'm like, I don't remember having to drive through this neighborhood to get to this restaurant. I'm not even sure how I got here. And you've got to be rerouted back to get to the place that you initially set out for. I believe that's what God does. I think in your life and in mine, you know what the grace of God sometimes sounds like? It sounds like that voice on my GPS that says rerouting. Rerouting. I think that's the grace of God. That when I realize I'm lost, I realize I'm in the wrong place, I realize I haven't ended up where I thought I would, I said yes when I should have said no, I said no when I should have said yes, I get to this place and I acknowledge that I'm lost, which is difficult for us to do. And I go, okay, I'm, I think I'm supposed to still be headed over there. The grace of God says, okay, let's reroute. I can still get you back there. Your plans, your purposes, they didn't get you where you thought, but my plan, my purpose for you is still alive. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there's still enough grace to see you through. And so here's a couple of questions that I have for us today. Just that I, I just, as I, as I read these stories, as I think through these things, as I try to filter them through the view of God that I have, and even acknowledging the other views and trying to determine what do I believe about Scripture. And sometimes it really looks like God's dictating some things in Scripture. And yet he said that he created humanity with free will. And Sometimes it looks like he's removed himself and he's uninvolved in those things and he seems a little detached and disconnected and yet it seems like time and time again he assures those people of his presence and I go, yeah, well, he, he did that to me too. He just kind of stepped in for a moment or brought somebody by that could reassure me of that. Just a, a couple of thoughts here today. If you're listening for the voice of God, if you're wanting God to speak to you but you haven't heard him yet, here's what I would say to you. If you don't hear him speaking, do the last thing you know you heard him say until you hear him say something different. Like, I think God will speak to you, and when he does, you need to be obedient. But if you don't hear him speaking, then do the last thing you know you heard him say until you hear him say something different. Like, in between those perfect will of God commands with a promise, just live in the permissive will of God and just keep saying yes to the things that honor God until you hear God saying to do something different. And here's a couple of questions that I think are evaluation for all of us. If you used to be closer to God than you are right now, who moved? Like if you used to be closer to God than you are right now, who moved? It's a trick question. God didn't move. Right? If you used to be closer to God, if God is this table and I am me, and we used to be like this, and now we're like this. Who moved? It's more difficult for me to hear the voice of God here than it is here. Right? Here's a second question. I don't think this one's on the screen. If you used to hear God more clearly than you hear him right now, what changed? If you used to hear God more clearly than you hear him right now, what changed? 
Who are you listening to more now than you used to listen to that's drowning out the voice of God? How much less are you spending, how much time are you spending less in God's word? How much less time are you praying? How much less are you attending church and the fellowship of believers? How much less, like, what changed? If you used to hear God more clearly than you hear him right now, what changed? When I was in college, I heard a man say this. He said, if you were to get in your car tonight, and I'll change the location for our purposes here. You get in your car tonight when it gets dark. You drive from here to downtown Atlanta. You will not see from here all the way to downtown Atlanta. You'll only see from here to the end of your headlights. And as you continue on that journey, those headlights will illuminate more and more and more of the journey so that ultimately you make it to your desired destination. But the problem is, and you know this, and I would be guilty of this, if I was in my car and I had the ability to see all the way to downtown Atlanta, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be looking for a parking space down there. I would. I'd be trying to figure out how many people are waiting outside of that restaurant because I, li- I don't like to wait, so I'm going to go to a different restaurant. So I'm looking ahead to that, and I would rear in the car right in front of me. Or I'd miss my off-ramp. Or I'd miss my on-ramp. And I would miss something in the moment because I was looking too far ahead. I believe that God does that for all of us. As it relates to the plan of God for your life, the purposes of God for your life, I think he gives you just enough of the picture for you to live in the moment and completely trust him today. So that you can wake up tomorrow and go, God, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do today until you tell me, until you lead me, but I'm just gonna be obedient and be faithful and so God, I'm gonna trust you today. Or maybe he gives you a week at a time or maybe he gives you a month at a time and you have this sense that I'm supposed to live this way over the next few days or weeks or months and God illuminates that until we need to see more of the journey and then we have an opportunity again to be obedient or disobedient. And here's the last thing that I have. I wrote this down. I think this is up on the screen. Our lives are this amazing blend of things that God permitted and things that God prescribed. Our lives are this amazing blend of things that God permitted and things that God prescribed. And when I say God prescribed, I mean that God commanded them. My doctor can prescribe all the medicine for me he wants, but it's my job to take it. Him prescribing it doesn't make me better. I have to be obedient. I have to follow the instructions. And he prescribes these things for me. I believe that God does that in that perfect will of God. There are times when he says, this is what you need to do today. There are other things that he permits things that he allows me to decide on my own. And I have the opportunity to live the kind of life that is this perfect blend of the things that God has prescribed for me and the things that God permits me to do in pursuit of him. Listen for the voice of God. Trust that God has a plan and be obedient. Let's pray together today. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to go to your word. I thank you today, God, for the chance to believe that you are involved in our decisions, but you're not dictating all the things that we do. You give us free will. You allow us to be obedient. You allow us to decide. And so, God, today for every person in this room, no matter what they're facing, I ask you, God, to help us to be obedient, to trust you more than we ever have before. And, God, as we do that, I believe that you'll open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds to allow us to see new things that you want to do, illuminate the path, as we seek the wisdom of your word, the wisdom of, uh, that's found in the counsel of many, God, surround us with people that help us to determine your will for our life. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. 
If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.